All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the um, Age of Empires podcast. Uh, Mike, your host. Um, best way to get in touch with the show, as always, message me on uh, Xbox at uh, Kingdom of God, K-A-N-E-D-O-M, space of, space God. So jumping right into the show, obviously, um, I guess a two-week break. You know, it's just, just honestly, it's so tough around the holidays. Just no schedule. We haven't seen a ton of our family this year, but just spending extra time kind of with my immediate family. Um, and then, you know, we're fortunate that both my wife's parents and um, my mom live uh, live near us and, and provide childcare. So we've also been doing some grandparent stuff with the, uh, with the little guy. Um, as far as beer this week, uh, actually around the holidays, even though I wasn't with them, I have a lot of gluten-free, um, cousins or gluten intolerant. So we do drink a decent amount of cider. Um, I talked about it before, but I was big on the Downey cider. Um, my neighbor's pretty hooked on it right now. So he actually bought, a case, uh, as did I, and then, um, you know, we were drinking those in our back alley. Um, so I've already kind of talked about both the original blend and the winter blend on here. As far as beer, I did, um, you know, I think I've mentioned before, I live in the Lehigh Valley, Eastern PA, about an hour North of Philadelphia. Um, right off interstate 78. If you're, ever in the neighborhood going to or from New York, but, um, kind of the best brewery where we are and definitely one of the top in Eastern PA is, um, Lost Tavern Brewing. A little different vibe there than a lot of other breweries, just in that a lot of breweries are like, you know, their tap rooms, a garage or, or fairly open air, um, building Lost is like beautiful. Both of their locations, they, they took a lot of, uh, <clears throat> You know, we just put a lot more resources into the actual like tavern area. Um, so <clears throat> I stopped in there and they had um some stuff. I grabbed it actually before Christmas. Uh, one was like a something they made for Thanksgiving called Cobble Cobble. So it was like a peach blackberry cobbler sour, I believe. Their sours are great in that they're not very sour. They just come out kind of heavily fruited. Uh, they also had a triple IPA, which was off of another triple they had had a little while ago. Um, and this one was called Trippin' Billy's. And basically they just took the pretty delicious New England unfiltered triple and um, add some honey to it. And uh, it, it was really good. So both of those... Beers I mentioned, um, they just go down a little smoother than you'd maybe expect. Um, Lost is kind of a, you know, local only. They don't have, uh, like, big distribution. Um, so if you're not, you know, local, you're not going to be able to get their stuff. So sorry to talk about it. Um, <laughs> You know, if, if you're into the brewery scene, they're not like as big as Treehouse and Trillium, stuff like that. And they, 
you know, beer to beer, they aren't as good. Every now and again, though, they get something that can stand up to one of those beers. And so, um, you know, the Trippin' Billies definitely did that. Um, so next up is the AOE 3 Definitive Edition Historical Battle um, talk. And this week I did the uh, Sir Francis Drake Raid on the Caribbean in 1586, which is basically... You start off with a couple ships, um, home home city of London, and you've just kind of got to eradicate the Spanish soldiers um, in the Caribbean. And so there's four, four or five bases for the you know Spanish here, Sir Francis Drake's here, the English, and I worked uh, counterclockwise, which just based on the rewards you get. Um, cause you don't, you don't have any villagers, you don't have any economy. So the way to, uh, the way that you get resources is that you, you, uh, you conquer these Spanish bases and then, you know, it awards you X amount of resources and the bases are slightly, some are harder than others and, and kind of your resources corresponds with how hard the base was to conquer. So like the easiest was like 250 gold, 250 wood. I think the hardest was, uh, 1,000 or 1,200 golden wood. Um, you don't have really any buildings. You get a couple docks. As you go throughout the islands, you can find um, what they call English pirates to help you. And, um, you know, it has like pirate ships and some pirate units. And then the only way you can really train land units is uh, out of your galleons. And like the, you know, the... Um, not all of the Spanish buildings can be hit by your ship, so you do have to train some land units. I think I had like 40 units at the end. Um, if I had it to do over again, I would have definitely used, I think it's the Caravel ship can fish and mine gold from whales. I didn't do any of that until the very end when it, I was low on food, and it clicked to me like, oh, yeah, I can, I can fish. Because they don't have to... Um, you have docks, but they don't have to drop it off at the dock, so it's pretty efficient. I should have just left them go as I was going around the map. The level was it was fun and it was boring at the same time. Like Chuvash Cape was definitely more fun to play, um, just because all naval stuff is slow in these games, and like in AOE two. Um, if you play like the bog islands and stuff or the land, you can kind of walk or have ships. Uh, you can have either land or naval military units. You can just dominate the naval ones. They're kind of a wasted investment. It's a little better in AOE three, um, but it's still just, I don't know. It's slow, which is fairly historically accurate. Um, you know, naval battles, back in the 1500s would take like days and and it would be actually not a lot happening because they had to negotiate the wind and the currents and you know etc 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 it was not nearly as fast paced as like land battles so that is actually kind of realistic and i appreciate that but i've also got to kind of be in the mood to do it and i just i don't know i kind of just want to get these historical battles done um 
if you've been listening to the show the whole time, you know that originally I would have told you AOE 3 is my favorite game. Totally disagree with that now. It's AOE 2. It's by far the best game. Um, for as much fun as I had playing AOE 1 and 3 when they originally came out, um, going back now as an adult, they just absolutely pale in comparison to to AOE 2 with these definitive editions. So, like I said, it, w- it was fun. There was a little interesting strategy. I wish I had done the food and gold with my caravels early on. Um, and then you do have to you have to kind of manage. There was a couple decent naval battles where I had to pull my galleons out just to make sure I didn't lose them. But you can get shipments of, um, I forget, I think they're called Man of Wars for the English. But basically the biggest ship in the in the game, I think by the end I had three of them. I definitely had two. And then the ships in AoE 3 are much more realistic with how many people they can transport. And pretty much every ship can transport units. So it's a lot easier to manage that. And you can move a lot of guys quickly. Um, Because it's kind of a... It almost feels silly because it's realistic. Uh, (laughs) Just because, like, you know, you're, you're supposed to have a couple thousand men. And really you have, you know, 80... And you can fit 40 on a ship. So, you know, it's realistic in the number of, hey, I could, they could have transported these 40 infantry soldiers through the Caribbean on this ship. What's not realistic is is that's 50% of your army or 100%. Um, So it feels a little weird, but I guess going back and forth, shuttling between islands that you'd pretty much cleared out, you know, any opposing Navy wouldn't be that much fun either. So it's it's tough to, you know, keep it realistic and keep it playable. Um, you know, this whole event in real life took about a year. Obviously, no one wants to play one level of AOE 3 for an entire year. Um, so, like I said, Fawn, definitely not my favorite. I preferred um, Chivash Cape 100% to this one. Um, but that's kind of the level... You know, spin through, get yourself sh- uh, ships in your home home city shipments. Use your ship upgrades; are definitely beneficial. Protect your galleon so you can tra- you have need at least one so you can train enough units. Finding the pirates was great. Towards the end, I found a mortar with some pirates, which that was cool, helpful. Um, didn't necessarily need it to win. I played on standard difficulty. And uh, I had plenty of plenty of ships definitely to dominate the seas. And then I just wish I had used my caravels earlier on to um, fish and get some gold from whales. All right, so the historical piece of the um, Sir Francis Drake raid on the Caribbean. Uh, Drake was born around 1540, died in 1596. He was the second captain to circumnavigate the globe. Uh, obviously Magellan did it from 1519 to 1522 and was killed during his trip. Drake survived his and he traveled around the globe from 1577 to 1580. When he returned from that, he was knighted um, by I think Queen Elizabeth I, 1581. And he was kind of, you know, at the time he was an English hero. He was probably a pretty... By today's standards, he was a horrible, rotten person um, who would probably have ended up on trial for war crimes. 
unfortunately for the course of human history, he was probably just an average to even nice product of his time. Um, so just, you know, just the world was a different place. Um, in 1588, the Spanish Armada was coming to invade England, and um, he was, I think, second in command of the British Navy, so an admiral, when they uh, they sank the Spanish Armada and became, um, you know, a world naval power. So he was he was good at waging naval war. He was obviously a good sailor. Um, you know, like I said, mixed sort of mixed sort of opinions on whether or not he was a horrible person. Um, no one really advocates that he was a great person. Um, but, you know, he was successful. So the assumption would be at least that people under his command felt compelled to do what he said, whether they liked him or hated him or, or you know, whatever. Um so, in 1578, he had the co-commander of a fleet he was in charge of, a guy named Thomas Doty, executed. Um, just a whole string of crimes, saying he was blasphemous. Had the ship carpenter, um, who was eventually promoted, say that he had heard Thomas Doty saying a variety of, you know, non-religious things. And so, he had, uh, he had Doty beheaded on ship. Um... So, so like we said, you know, he was he was known for he did enslave some people, um, not necessarily the the nicest guy in the world. His death occurred from dysentery. He was hit with a cannonball while trying to invade Puerto Rico. Um, so he did die in the Caribbean, even though he he circumnavigated the globe and then he was bouncing back and forth between um, England and the Caribbean. But so the the level that we're playing. Um, is his raid on the Caribbean, and it's 1586. And in 1585, King Philip II had declared war on England, um, and so Drake was sent to the Caribbean to a, to attack the Spanish in that theater. So he left uh, Plymouth, England in September of 1585. He was in charge of 21 ships, and he had 1,800 soldiers under the command of a man named uh, Christopher Carlyle, or you might say a Carlyle. Uh, like I said, Drake was was good at at this. He was good at being a basically a pirate. He was um, an English privateer. So basically, the Queen said he was allowed to attack Spanish ships uh, in the name of England. He was given a letter of mark, and basically that just meant that the English wouldn't try him for piracy as long as he didn't attack English ships. Uh, and basically, he treated. You're, they were supposed to these privateers only attack the ships of the country that they that were in their letter of mark. The letter of mark basically was what if he was captured, he would show to say like a British um, governor or viceroy in the Caribbean of Hey, I have this letter from the Queen. I'm allowed to basically conduct piracy on non-English ships or uh, specifically Spanish ships. And then I won't be tried for piracy um, by my by fellow Englishmen. So to the Spanish, he was just a pirate. Um, if you know, if he were to have attacked 
say like a Dutch ship, he could have been tried as a pirate by the Dutch. He also could have been tried as a pirate in those circumstances by the English, but that rarely happened. Uh, basically, as long as they didn't attack English ships, and sometimes even if they did, the English crown would look the other way. And England was far from the only country that did this. Other countries did it too. So he's basically, um, you know, it's okay by the queen for him to attack Spanish ships specifically. And she wanted him to go to the Caribbean, hit them hard. You know, the Spanish treasure fleet that was colonizing the Americas. So Drake, and, and I don't know if he was ordered to do this or what, but he immediately heads south to uh, Vigo, Spain, attacks them, hangs out for two weeks, gets some extra supplies. Then he goes to Santiago on the Cape Verde Islands, attacks them. Then he decides he'll cross the Atlantic and actually attack the Caribbean. His first stop is a raid on Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic and then Cartagena, Colombia. Um, and actually in Cartagena, uh, he frees a bunch, like about 100 enslaved Turks. So, you know, Turkish people who are enslaved by the Spanish, he frees them. Um, <laughs> the 100 people he freed didn't necessarily make him into the great liberator, uh, just for some of the other stuff he did. Uh, which you can look up online. This is all just right off Wikipedia. Didn't go into a ton of detail, but, you know, he was involved in the slave trade. Uh, he worked for one of the first guys who brought slaves from Africa to the Americas for the English, uh, this guy named Hawkins. But so anyways, in Cartagena, he frees some Turks. And then um, on the 6th of July, 1586, he actually hit St. Augustine, Florida, which obviously is under... Uh, Spanish control and from there he heads north to Roanoke to Sir Walter Raleigh's um, colony that was actually Walter Raleigh's first attempt the lost colony was his second attempt so the first one failed but wasn't necessarily lost they knew what happened uh, but he dropped off some supplies there and then returned home um, to England on July 22nd he would later return to the Caribbean like we talked about um, and died of dysentery from wounds that he suffered attacking Puerto Rico. He was buried at sea, supposedly in a lead-sealed coffin, um, right in between the wrecks of two British ships. There have been archaeological expeditions to try to find um, his coffin, but it, it's never been found. So interesting guy. Like like I said, not uh, you know, he's... At the time of his life, he was revered as a hero, um, you know, a war hero, just and what he was a part of the British becoming the biggest naval power in the world. Um, and, you know, kind of ousting the Spanish. He uh, he was the first English person to make it to California, claimed it as new uh, new Albion for, for the English. Um, you know, obviously, uh, was involved in some stuff today that we look down on was pretty ruthless at times. How different was he from his, you know, peers who knows, um, but definitely a talented sailor and, and probably a talented leader. So that's kind of just the historical part on Sir Francis Drake. Interesting guy. If you want to look him up. 
Uh, it is likely that he did a little bit of the recruiting pirates in the Caribbean. Uh, they had their own uh, kind of colony at the time on Dry Tortugas. Um, so he probably did recruit some Englishmen to help him and just, you know, agreed to pay them. They could keep a portion of whatever they found. So um, that's just a quick historical background. I wish the game had actually, and they've done this in, in past games and other levels, They were you were just fighting all the Spanish. And so whatever, you're going through islands fighting Spanish troops. Um, I thought the level could have benefited from, you know, just be Spanish troops at uh, Santo Domingo and then Spanish troops in Colombia and Spanish troops in Florida. And I thought they could have... They could have used maybe some markers or something to really mimic his journey. Like, I just work ca- counterclockwise. I feel like most people are either going to work clockwise or counterclockwise on the level. But it would I I would have preferred to go through, okay, you're, you're, you're in, uh, I think the island was Hispaniola, Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo. Now you're going to Colombia. And then you're last stopping your most northern point of Florida. Um you know, a cool thing would have been you have to make it to Roanoke by a certain time, like give you 40 minutes or whatever. I think that would have been added um, piece. I hate, usually hate time things, but looking at the historical context, why, why not? You know, why not um, make you race to get to Roanoke? So overall, good level. Drake is an interesting guy. There's a podcast out there called Pirates. That's super informative. I mean, the guy's been recording episodes on Pirates for like three years. Um, I've listened to a decent portion of the beginning. And you can learn a ton about it if Pirates interest you. I would definitely recommend that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, fun level. They could have made it better. Um, although without the historical context, I'd probably hate the timed idea. With the historical context, I'd like it. So, um you know, like I said, interesting dude, cool level, or good enough level. And um, we skip a couple years for the next episode that I'll do. Uh, and by a couple years, I mean like 200. All right, so one other thing I wanted to mention, and I talked about this earlier. I started the podcast because there was only one Age of Empires podcast that I could find. Um, and he made an announcement that they were stopping. Well, they're back, um, and they're doing, like, one episode a month. I, you know, I love their podcast. Highly recommend it. It's called The Definitive Podcast. I just don't know if we need to. Um, you know, if people keep listening, I'll definitely keep doing it, but I would definitely check theirs out. Probably a little more professionally done. They're committing to one episode a month. They're similar to this in that, you know, they're not asking for – they don't – they don't ever talk about, as far as I know, their Patreon or anything like that. Um, they're just kind of a similar deal. It's it's a it sounds like it's an American and a British guy. Um, they're just trying to do you know they enjoy the community, they enjoy the game, they want to grow it, they want it to be as as fun as possible. But we we do talk about a ton of the same stuff. So like they're recommending the T ninety official Twitch channel. They're going over hotkeys. Um, so. I don't know if it if it's too much having two 
Um, I would assume with my irregularity and their commitment to only an episode a month, it's probably not if you really like the game. But um, I don't know. If it were to somehow be too much content, you know, just if enough people message me, I'll definitely bow out. Um, their show is also a little more professional. So, you know, I really enjoy doing the podcast. Um, like I said before, it's a small listening base, not even to 100 yet. So, you know, I, I'm fine with that. I do it for one person, but um, I don't need to do it, I guess, is, is the thing. So also definitely jump on there. Age of Empires Definitive um, podcast. Like I said, it's a good podcast. We talk about a lot of the same stuff, but I'm not, you know, a pro. It doesn't sound like they're pros. Um, so we're both, we're all going through, you know, the growing pains of getting better, probably with you guys. Um, we're just being really public about how bad we are. So, um, you know, jump on, listen to that, enjoy them both. And, um, you know, hopefully it helps grow the community. All right. So going back to T90, um, the Red Bull tournament hasn't started yet. He's been doing a lot, a lot of ELO legends, low ELO legends. So these are people that aren't pros. You know, a lot of them are probably as good as some of the listeners, um, it's interesting to see, you know, people make mistakes, I guess. Cause it's not like, Oh, that's a great idea. Viper did that. It's kind of like, Oh, that was a bad idea. And now I see why Viper does what he does. Um, Viper is still number one, number one ranked player in the world. So like, you know, all those guys, Tato, um, MBL, even people like Jordan, um, Good to see them. And it's, it is interesting to watch the uh, low ELO legends and just kind of see the difference in, um, difference in play. And, and to give yourself ideas, sometimes the unorthodox stuff ends up working out really well. Um, or just to, you know, especially with T90 breaking it down, to be like, hey, build the town center here. Don't do this or don't do that. Um and it's all in fun. He's not like really critical of the people. He just says like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. And here's why. Uh, or, or like the pros wouldn't have done that. And here's why. So good stuff to keep in mind. Like I said, when you watch the pros, it's a lot like if you were a high school or, or low level college coach watching like, you know, NFL football or NBA basketball, you can learn some things. But you're also still going to watch other games at your level. You're going to watch other high school play football or basketball. Um, so this is kind of the equivalent of that getting on the low ELO stuff. And it, I mean, it's basically unlimited content. I guess the other day there were 36,000 people on playing AOE two, um, at one time, which was a new record. So the game is definitely growing. <laughs> COVID's probably helped because it, it is a great COVID game. Um, but jump on, watch that stuff. You know, don't be afraid. You can just watch other games through steam or twitch or um just right through the age of empires game it is a little boring i typically don't watch entire games just because you know you want to you want to play too um and i actually don't have a tv in my office right now but to watch even like 30 minutes is great um so definitely do that and then (laughs) do keep in mind like people get nervous they make they make silly mistakes All right, and then that being said, um, 
I've been playing. I've been playing a decent amount lately. Um, I've talked on this show before. I really like Age of Empires. There's parts of the new Age of Empires I love, and a lot of the game I hate. Um, so I've been playing it less, to be honest. The Assassin's Creed. Sorry, the Assassin's Creed. I think I said Age of Empires. But the AC Valhalla. Um, when I'm going around England, you know, doing a little mission, sneaking into forts, I love it. There are some parts where you're sneaking into, like, churches and these little villages. And, you know, they've provided a way for you to do it. Um, without killing anyone, maybe killing one guy. I love that stuff. They, they actually, for the first time had, you're up on a stage, you assassinate someone and you run away through the crowd. Um, which was like the trailer of the original game. And one or two other times they tried to recreate that, but this was by far the best. It was most like that original game trailer, that kill we've all been striving for since the game came out. Um, you know, in the in the mid, um, like in 2009 or whenever it came out, maybe 08. So there's, like I said, there's parts of it I absolutely love. Also, there's just so much of it that's dumb. I'm sick of crawling down tunnels to fight a ginormous bear uh, who obviously would have starved to death if he was stuck in that little underground pool. Uh, so anyway, I've been playing Age of Empires more uh, as soon as football ends. And I beat AC Valhalla. I'll play Age of Empires a lot again. But um, I'm up. I'm pretty good right now. Probably about as good as I'll ever get. I've been um, I've been able to go full random and beat the computer on moderate consistently. The only games I've lost are if I forget to grab a relic. Uh, so <laughs> that has happened. I just wasn't able to to knock down their uh, their church where the relics were. So slightly embarrassing, but um, I'm playing a lot. And like I said, I've been going full random. So instead of like I've said on before, I really like playing with the Britons. I really like playing with the Franks. Neither of them are great civs, but I've been getting better at as soon as the civ pops up and the game, the user interface, they change it and it helps so much. As soon as the game pops up, I just click on the little shield up in the top right. tells me what my benefits are. Um, So like... There's one sieve you don't need. Um, you don't need to drop your food at a mill or a town center. So as you're farming, just from your farms, as you're farming, it's just a trickle of food coming in. You're able to really boom with your food. So that corresponds to what kind of military units do I want to make? I probably don't want heavy gold units because I'm going to have so much food. Or food's the first thing in my market that I want to trade. Um, I just played with the Huns. Like they don't need houses, so they did start with with uh, lower wood. The Huns they don't need houses, but they start with lower wood. Which you know, I think if I could do it over again, I would lumber camp right away. Um, I didn't. That definitely hurt me. I was behind economically for a while, but I've kind of gotten to the point on moderate difficulty where I was against a computer on standard difficulty when I started the podcast where I'm pretty much going to win by the time we hit Imperial Age, I'm going to be up um, by about 1,500 points um, just sort of from the advanced eco and everything. And then the other thing I do when I get on that uh, shield is 
okay, what are my best units? Do I want to use whatever my special unit is from my castle? Um, do I get champion? Do I get um, Arbuster? Do I get Paladin? So like with the Huns, I uh, don't get champion or Arbs, but you do get Paladin. So, okay, I know right away I want to invest more in cavalry. And actually their cav archers were a little cheaper and pretty good. So I, I did do some cavalry investment, but a little later, I waited till I got knights on the board before I really focused on putting resources into um, into cav archers. And I was going against Saracens. You have the, I think it's the Mameluke. I never write it down. I played with them this week too. Probably my favorite unit in the game, in the game, that Saracen camel unit that comes out of their castle. So, you know, I might build a stable early. So I have some camel, um, heavy camel riders or camel riders eventually, but I'm, I'm really going to save my resources to make sure I can get to that elite, um, Mameluke or Mamaduke right away. And that's kind of just something that you have to figure out and play by ear. And then I do have, um, I have to go back on one of the things I said, I said, I'd never, start a Patreon or ask you guys for a subscription for the show. I'm going to stick with that. However, I'm going to commit to playing ranked games from time to time. Um, so the last challenge AOE two, you had to play online and I won. And that gave me a false sense of, uh, accomplishment as well as watching low ELO legends. So I thought, you know what? I'll go on. I'll play a ranked game. My first ranked game ever. I'm obviously better than whoever I'm going to play because if it's our first game, I got to believe I spend a lot more time thinking about the game, getting better than whoever I'm going to hit in this, you know, first ranked game ever. Absolutely not true. And this is what I mean when you watch low ELO, like, careful what you type and put out there because um, you, you get nervous and you make mistakes. So I don't. I don't really comment on the low elo or anything like that, but I pop up my first ranked game. We're in the um, uh, Acropolis, so you've got the walled in, walled in base, and like a complete idiot because I've been working on it in my uh, playing against the computer on moderate difficulty. I blow like eight hundred food to get a couple scout cavalry. Well, they're not getting through that stone wall. I spent like 10 minutes. The The guy I'm playing against was probably like, this, this, I'm going to win. And I was winning economically until this point. So I blow my food, probably 600 food on these scout calves. They cannot break through the stone wall. It's taking forever. He has time. He probably had no military units when I got there. Because for about four minutes, I was like, maybe he doesn't see it. He's just going to let me in. All of a sudden, he shows up with, with 12 pikemen, slaughter me. You know, I did run away, um, but he just put them on patrol. And it was sort of like, okay, I can take 10 hits away from his wall, but what am I really accomplishing? And the answer is nothing. Um, and, like, looking back, it was like, why did I do that? I'm naturally a turtle player. I'm just trying to hide and get as good as I can. And that was really, honestly, all I had to do. Um, not saying I would have won. I do think he was just a better all-around player than me. But he wasn't like a micro guy. Um, he had definitely, you know, he knew what he was doing too. So it was 
this guy caveman Joe, I think nine nine or something. It seemed like a nice enough dude the way he played and you know, we GG'd it up after the game. Um But so, you know, basically he realizes at this point this guy has horrible military. Um and I forget what civ I was, but I could get Paladin and I couldn't get I definitely wasn't Huns because I needed houses, but it was a similar situation. No arbs or maybe arbs, but definitely no champion. I could get Paladin. So I was like, oh, I need Paladin. All the more reason, because there's plenty of gold in the base, to just turtle. Um, to be a turtle player, just build up my resources, get to Imp, get Paladin. Because, you know, they're a good unit. He was Teutons too. So I was a little worried about him being able to spam out of his castle. So then not only <clears throat> he thwarts my pathetic attack, gets me on the run, builds a castle right outside my walls. I knew it was there. He had enough pikemen. He's just slaughtering my guys. And at this point, I have like four knights. He's got like 20 pikemen. So obviously, they take my knights down. Castle goes up. And right there, I pretty much knew I was done. Um, I'm new to online play, so I didn't know when was you know, the appropriate, socially appropriate time to resign. Um, I figured it's probably not polite to force him to level every single one of my buildings or kill all my units. Also probably not polite as soon as the castle went up to hit GG and resign. So I I didn't really know what to do. Um, So I I battled as hard as I could. I I tried to get my knights up. I built a couple other stables. Just didn't have enough. Um, We were both in Castle Age. He was more what I'd call late Castle Age. I was early Castle Age, which going back, if I hadn't wasted the 600 food on the the Scout Cavalry that accomplished nothing, I would have been in Castle Age at the same time as him. And we would have been right about the same when we hit this point in the battle. Um, So I don't know if he's just a lot better, you know, than me that he was like, okay, Acropolis, I got to just get as good as I can. I got these stone walls. What unit's really going to get through here with any sort of um speed anytime soon or if he's just naturally also a turtle player um but afterward i felt so stupid because it was like map was actually set up a lot more for my style of play than i let it be i went out and made dumb decisions got out of my comfort zone and made bad (laughs) tactical decisions so in my defense I, i let my sib be full random so i did lose like 20 seconds to checking out what are my goals? What are my best units here? You know, what are what are my strongest units versus the cost, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'll be better next time I play on there, but I got absolutely slaughtered. Um, but I'm going to try to play at least a game a week, probably more. I'd like to get to a game a day. It depends on how busy I am. But, um, you know, it was it was fun. It's nerve-wracking. Way more than it should be, but it was fun. I did really enjoy it. So um, as much as I've said I won't be on there, I am going to be on there. And, um, you know, I'm not just going to give you guys rundowns on my games against the computer, except when I'm working on, you know, specific things, kind of like we've been doing, um, which rating in moderate is definitely a huge help. Keep that one in mind. Um but yeah, playing against another person was a whole nother deal. So I'm sure my ELO points are low, whatever they are at this point. But, um, you know, like I said, still fun. And, uh, 
you know, like T90 has been saying on the low ELO legends, just don't take it too seriously. You know, it's, it's fine. We all, we all do dumb things. All right. So that's pretty much it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, as always, easiest way to get in touch with me, which is the show, uh, kingdom of God on Xbox messenger, K A N E D O M space of space God. And I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast, the other AOE podcast, um, and all three of the games. And, uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye.